0: how do you build a great firm? I said, it's it's not sexy. It's <laughs> kind of boring. It's doing simple disciplines to an extreme level day in, day out.
1: Welcome to the Tip to Skills podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of LawRank. This week, I am joined by Chad Dudley. Yes, it's his third time on the show, I just, I literally could talk to Chad all day. Today, we talked about how the cost per case has gone up, how having an HR person is so incredibly important. We talked about profitability. We talked about his upcoming conference in Vegas, September 13th through the 15th. It's just going to be him and Mickey Love. Super excited for that event. And he was kind enough to give us a discount code. It is Lawrank. We will put that in the show notes for you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We want to offer our listeners an exclusive deal. Right now, you can visit slash report to get a free competitor performance report. The report will include your top five digital competitors and how they're performing in your market, how you measure up to your competitors in the top three metrics, and that is referring domains, content, and monthly traffic, and a local SEO report. And this is a visual, it's a map, and this is tracking your Google business profile, and it's going to show you how you rank within a one mile radius. Again, all you have to do is go to laurenc.com slash report. We will also be putting this in the show notes. You should feel special. Third time.
0: Is that a first? Am I? Is that... That, that, that's <laughs> a right. first. Thank no you. one's thank been
1: you. on. I mean, the podcast hasn't even been around a year or it has been around a year, but we don't have 52 episodes yet. And Well, thank third, you. Third time. Honored
0: to be back. Always have a good time.
1: All right. So tell us what's new, what's going on. What do you see in the space?
0: Uh, It's been a crazy year. I mean, I think you look at all the different things that are happening and things that people think are going to start happening. uh, And it's, I think the industry is changing. There's a lot of, you know, people are still adapting from COVID, which sounds strange, but COVID hit a bunch of firms in different ways. And there's (laughs) firms (laughs) adapting from COVID. And there's things like, you know, people made changes to their firms during COVID that they're sticking with, you know, and they're trying to, uh, I think that, you know, the use, you know. More client meetings by Zoom or by video conference, using electronic signatures. Uh, maybe not being as hardcore about having a physical location. Uh, more re- remote workers, more overseas workers, using uh, increasing the demand for using software to automate certain tasks. It, it seems like yesterday, but if you remember pre-COVID, a lot of people were nervous about using a case management system that was not on a server. Yes. Like, be, being in the cloud was like, no, that, that's, that's kind of freaky. It's all of our clients' medicals and information. COVID kind of put that to bed because now you have to in order to work efficiently across a bunch of different time zones and locations. And so you see things like that.
1: I think that the whole COVID, and not just for law firms, but in general, this whole COVID thing and everybody going remote, I think a lot of that money that was spent on offices shifted to tech.
0: Yeah, to yes.
1: have the right processes and procedures to run remote.
0: Yeah, and, and so one of the trends, so there, there's there's a couple things where the the divide between the haves and the have-nots is really changing law firms. For example, you know, I think Facebook and I forgot what other um, there's a few tech companies that came out and said, "Hey, remote work doesn't work." Mm-hmm. right and they're zoom doesn't zoom have <laughs> yeah. offices yeah and so they they kind of took this position like you know it's 20% uh, less efficient it doesn't really work everyone needs to get back in the office i mean i think amazon a bunch of different big companies said this what i see is it's a little bit different i see firms that have figured it out and have figured out how to get great people being productive outside the office remotely are Building a competitive advantage versus the ones that are like you have to be in the office five days a week and you have to be here because some there's some really great candidates that they they're not going to live that way anymore.
1: I a- I agree, and so but I do think that there is for law firms, it there has to be some in person.
0: Cor- cor- correct, and you might you might laugh, but it's almost like <laughs> <you remember laughs> like way back in the day, like the, the first sort of groups that were working remotely to some degree it was probably like homeschool right like w- way back in the 90s like homeschool and the materials weren't that good they they didn't really have it That's down
1: funny. We, we started homeschooling
0: yeah like right. three weeks ago but today homeschool is crazy like you can have you can have your kids taught math by someone that works at like stanford or harvard or you could the the, the material the materials are great and they figured out like there's meetups right
1: yeah my kids for have, sports yep all sorts of things and,
0: and that didn't exist years ago right because they're trying to figure out how to make this thing work so if you look at that and go okay 90s homeschool is kind of weird maybe not super effective yeah. and kind of clunky what it looks like today they figured out that you do need that interaction they figured out that you do need to be like engaged
1: well, there's so many cool yeah. things My Crazy. kids do coding yes. they have zoom book clubs there's so much
0: it's, it's, it's insane the coolest thing they can ever. travel they can do stuff yeah. and I think that that's what's going to happen with this remote workspace is that People are going to kind of figure out the mix. It's not going to go back to 100% in office and it's not going to stay at 100% out of office, but there's going to be like this mingle where, Hey, we, you know, this is what we do in person or this, how many times a week we get together in person. These are events that we're going to host. These are ways that we can, you know, fulfill that need to connect, but also allow you to avoid an hour and a half commute to and from work. Right. Yep. So I think that's where it's, where it's going.
1: That's how ours is. Yeah.
0: And so like, if you get, if you're in the, but there's a lot of firms and a lot of businesses that are really getting it wrong. But if you're in that top 10% that figures it out, you can build a really, really great workforce and do some really, and I'm seeing firms do that. I'm seeing other firms that don't even want to mess with it going, ah, you got to, you know, I'm not hiring a remote person. They're going to, they're getting left behind. They, They can't find people they're struggling to hire.
1: Yep. What's the favorite thing you've implemented in the past year?
0: You know, we've always said, look, everything breaks. Lots of things break every time you double, right? When a a firm is five people and goes to 10 things that used to work when you're five, stop working at 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 40, 40 to 80, 80 to 160. 160 and on is a little bit of a different animal. But the idea of building teams like attorney teams at our office was really helped a lot because we got to spot right now we have about 60 attorneys that's a lot of attorneys and when you get to a certain size you're going how do i maintain quality control yeah. throughout the organization it becomes tricky and how do you execute things across the organization you know i always talk about well a simple thing like chick-fil-a saying my pleasure instead of what well, you're welcome they pulled that off nationwide I Think think how many thousands of people had to like get on board with that and a simple thing like that becomes incredibly complex. Versus when you have one store, so we were running into the issues of going, okay, we want to maintain a high level of client service of legal representation. How do we do that with 60 attorneys? And we, um, try to put, you know, supervisor over everybody. And that was overwhelming. And we finally broke them up into teams of four to six attorneys. And each team has a, a litigation coach and then like a team captain. And those two team captain is really helping with the systems processes and helping them move their cases along. Litigation coach is really working on the top 20% of their cases and, and coaching them on maybe the art of practicing law. And that has allowed us to scale some of the things that we've been doing. I mean, that without that, it would just be overwhelming. And so when I talk with firms, I'm like, once you get north of six attorneys, even 10, like just start thinking in terms of teams. We waited till, you know, long time down the road, but we just didn't know.
1: We have 40 employees. Imagine with thousands of fucking employees.
0: Yeah. Around 40 employees is where you just get maxed out and you, you can no longer keep track of everything. If you have maybe more than one partner, that number could be a little bit higher. But it there's a real breaking point somewhere in that zone. And then you have to really let go to grow at that point. For example, people try to skimp on human resources all the time, right? They're like, we don't need an HR person dedicated Oh, my God. Fund. You
1: absolutely <laughs> need – we have an HR person. It's yeah, it's it, the best thing in the world, too.
0: Yes. And they try to get away with it forever, and then finally they break, and then
1: – What do you think is, like, the point where they need one? 10? Um, 20? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I'd say right in that zone, like 20 to 30. Like, So what they have is typically, like, an office manager that handles some of the HR stuff, and then when you get to, like, a dedicated HR is probably – you know, somewhere around I think thirty or forty.
1: We were like probably twenty five, and we regret not doing it sooner.
0: Other, um, interesting thing is is you know one of the trends you see the cost of acquisition, the cost of getting cases in the door, is going up. Yes, it is, and that you see that plain as day across the space. And but then firms are adapting, and you're seeing firms that rely heavily on just straight up leads. And there's an argument that people say, well. Uh, lead generation cases don't provide good cases and it's there's 10% of the firms out there that are figuring out how to handle those calls and handle those leads mm-hmm. and they're building some really great firms by doing that and the the firms that just go across the board lead generation sucks I'm not going to mess with it that's, most, miss, firms. that's most firms because yeah. like, you know you get on these you see these listservs and these chats and what do you guys think about lead generation? Ah, oh, they suck. They're terrible. And you kind of dig in. They're different. They're totally different. They're outbound calls. They're a totally different script, totally different person to hook those cases. The response times are more aggressive. Um, the want ratios, if you get 100 you know, leads through a lead generation company, the your want ratio, how many are qualified leads is probably going to be a half or a third of what your normal qualified lead ratio is going to be. So like, but make peace with it, run your numbers.
1: Well, oh, it's a numbers game.
0: Yeah. Run the numbers and see if it works. But you know, you see that more and more where firms are like, you know what, I'm going to buy as many of those as I can. And it's interesting that they're, they're successful with it.
1: Now you talked about how the cost per case is going up. Are you seeing this across all channels and what is a good cost per case nowadays?
0: They're all over, right? It's, um, the cost per case is going up just as a general rule across the board and you see it regardless of market living in the 1500 to 2000 range somewhere in that spot but then you're like when i look at a firm i'm like okay well let's look at these numbers and go um say they sign up 100 auto cases right well we know that the, the next thing i ask is what is their close with fee ratio right because i've seen as low as 30 percent. Like, can you imagine that? Where only 30% of the cases they open get to the finish line with the fee? I mean,
1: there's, something is really wrong.
0: And then some, it's 70%. Uh, and, and for auto, you typically live in the 70% range. You know, you see firms that are like, look, we only want to take cases where we believe the recovery is going to be over 100 grand, right? So they're hunting yep. elephants.
1: Uh, yeah. These and- people annoy me, by the way. <laughs> we have like one client that is complaining about cases. Yeah. They've signed like eight cases, but they're all really high six-figure, seven-figure cases, and then they've referred like 200 cases. I can't control what you refer.
0: Correct. In that situation, our want ratio low because we're super picky. Uh, or if they sign them up, then vet them. Want ratio will look normal. Their close with fee ratio is going to look low because they're, they're opening up a bunch. If it doesn't meet their criteria, they're closing it out. But the good thing is that for those firms, their average closed fee is typically much much higher and again it comes down to math right and you're like okay if my true cost per case that's the terminology i use which is take your cost per case and divide it by your closed with fee ratio what are we trying to do not how much did you pay for a case but how much did you pay for a good case so for example this simple math would be if your cost per case is $2000 but your closed with fee ratio is 50% you didn't sign up hundred cases you send up 50 good cases and what did you pay for those 50 well you actually paid four thousand 4,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and what does that relate to your average closed fee if right. your average closed fee is six thousand that math doesn't work no. right and so if your average closed fee is uh twenty thousand twenty five thousand it, it would need to be kind of in that range for that to make sense right and Got so it. that's and that formula takes into account what kind of cases they're going after because if all that funky stuff that they do, we refer out this many, we close it if it's not this size of a case, gets accounted for in that formula. And you're like, all right, you can go after those cases. It's working.
1: Don't. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my problem with it is if you're looking for these huge fish, it two cases throws off everything. So it's it's so hard to replicate. Oh, I want to generate, you know, fifteen of these cases every year from digital. They're such small numbers that they're really hard to control.
0: Correct. And you know, one one of the analogies I use when talking with different firms is: okay, uh, if you're playing blackjack, be the house, not the player. And what I mean by that, the house just plays the percentages all the time, and the player gets caught up in. I feel lucky and I'm going to double down here. And they, they ignore the math sometimes. And, and and the equivalent of that in our space is the person that goes, I, this one time I got this monster case from a name, the source here, right? And now I'm going to spend all this money, even though mathematically over a bigger data set. It, it doesn't pan out, right?
1: Well, that, and then combine that with the fact that, like you said, cost per case is going up, and I'm not even just seeing this in PI. I yeah. see it in criminal defense. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother-in-law's a criminal defense lawyer. This is, it's how we got started. And the difference between 11 years ago to now is there's no <laughs> yeah. comparison, and it's, demoralizing but it's like you have to be able to change with the market like things are changing you have to adapt like you said okay maybe lead gen you didn't want to do it before but there's a way to do it like adapt and do that or do local service ads Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. we have some clients that refuse to do local service ads and I'm like you're missing out on repetition on the first page agree I don't know what to tell you right pay-per-click right now the cost per case is absurd it's well over two grand
0: Yeah. 100% 100% and if you're not, you know, back to like you think about if you're going to build a great firm and you're like, okay, there's there's five things that we need to get right. We need to get case acquisition right. We need to get legal ops right. We need to get ops right. We need to get um, our money right. How we handle the money and, and HR, our team. So we got to get those five things right. And when you if you're in this space, you're going to gravitate towards one of those five things. You're like, man, I like handling cases. Let me do legal ops or I like running. If you are not crazy obsessed with marketing and have a gift for it and just get it like you have got to have a partner to be watching this at all times because there's so many permutations of what can work for your firm and it's impossible unless you just don't sleep and obsessed over it to even stay remotely close to all that's going on in the industry and i don't know how there's so many firms are trying to do that and it's crazy i was talking with um some law firm owners yesterday, uh, and uh, we're just how do you build a great firm? I said it's it's not sexy, it's <laughs> kind of boring. It's doing simple disciplines to an extreme level, day in day out, right? And and it's there's no magic bullet. Um, it's just being consistently disciplined over time.
1: Curious, what? I think I asked you this last podcast. Actually, I'd have to go and listen. Did I Mm-mm. ask you like what is what is a good profitability for a firm
0: yeah and I think you know when I answer this it's so funny when I share these numbers in groups and people are like ah, oh, my firm's way better than that or we're doing that doesn't it's you take it with a grain of salt but usually what you're doing is you're breaking up your expenses into uh, what we call case acquisition attorney compensation non-attorney compensation and then everything else right and you're looking at those numbers and I think you know, when we talk about firms, what kind of profitability should they hit? Um, if you're about below $10 million a year, you can hit some crazy profit numbers. You can just get some efficiencies. You're working in the business. Um, and what a partner can do in a firm that is less than 10 million can have a bigger impact on the firm. As the firm gets bigger, 20 plus million, 30, 40 plus million, the impact one partner can have on profitability is different. So you know, you see firms under ten million. They're they're doing some crazy profit numbers, maybe forty percent, fifty percent north of ten million. You're talking about they're living in the 25, 30, sometimes thirty five.
1: That's 35. funny. I always thought it
0: was the inverse. Um, well, I no, no, I, I see it. And and again, you, you know, when you talk about profitability, there's a book called Simple Numbers, Simple Profits. Great read. But it talks simple, simple numbers, simple, simple profit. profits. And that anybody. anybody really anybody. It's it's a good read. One of the concepts in that book it says, well. Um, talk about compare apples to apples. If you have a, like sometimes I'll work with firms and the partner is working in the business a hundred hours a week and he's handling cases, he's helping out with marketing, he's helping out with operations and he's grinding and they kind of count their, 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 profit levels appear to be artificially high because they're paying themselves minimum wage to cover all these bases. That's different than a partner that is living on an Island, not In the business at all and collects a check right there two so simple numbers simple profit says you should normalize those two situations by saying if you were to replace yourself in the business what would the market rate for the services you provide go for so if you're providing you know 500 grand a year of you know handling case services marketing services operational services include that as an expense so that you know, you can kind of compare apples to apples. The person that lives on an island, almost little to no replacement cost. Someone that is in the business, what is their total replacement cost? And in that situation, if you if you count the free labor or whatever you want to call it that you're providing to the firm, even even using that as an expense, your profitability should be in the twenty five to 35 percent range.
1: What do you think are like the three most important things a law firm has to focus on? Like, if Somebody said to you, hey, we're going to start a law firm, three partners. What, would, what should each of the partners focus on? What would you put those three? I wonder if it's the same thing I would.
0: Um, uh, so this, and this happens quite a bit. We'll get a call from somebody and then like, Hey, I'm getting ready to start a law firm and tell us how to structure it and tell us how to, you know, kind of get going and what would we expect and what do we focus on in the early stages? And that's the first time, you know, the first question is, what are you trying to build? Are you trying to, you know, is it a referred out practice? Is it a referred in practice? Is it a you know, mass advertising firm? Is it, are you, are you trying to do high volume, low value? Or are you trying to do low volume, high value? Is yeah, it there's ma- so you So thing. like, just but give me say, a ballpark structure of what you're trying to do.
1: Say it's a firm that uh, it's a trial firm yep. and they'll do everything from pre-lit to obviously trial. They'll do marketing, but they're not going to be like the biggest advertiser.
0: Yeah. That's a good thing. So what I'll do in that situation is I'll get with each of the equity partners and be like, all right, of those five things, rate them in order of things like you wake up, love, enjoy. What makes money? What do you enjoy doing? What can you be the best at? Right. Right. And then based on that, I'm like, okay, you should probably focus on ops. You don't want to try cases or you you don't, you should spend your time here. Now, when you're smaller and getting rolling, you're just going to wear a bunch of hats. Like you have to, but like, let's wear those hats with the idea in mind that you're going to take off the marketing hat as soon as we possibly can, where you're going to take off the, and we're trying to build the firm on their strengths, not try and uh, overcome their weaknesses, like focus on your strengths. That's what's going to make your firm great. It's not by fixing the things you're not good at. So that's the first conversation the second conversation is let's do an honest assessment of the skills of the attorneys that are in at the firm and what i mean by that is that say you're you know in the situation you're trying you know we'll rate attorneys from tier one to tier five tier one is you're fresh out of law school uh, you're new to the practice the personal injury practice you're just getting going you need a ton of supervision there's not much you can do on your own tier five is someone that is a uh, experienced trial attorney. That's first chair, a uh, number of jury trials, gotten verdicts in excess of $7 million. And, and look, it's a very loose, but ballpark, you trust this attorney to handle just about any case, anywhere, anytime. And you can say two, three, four. If a firm is trying to get off the ground and they only have tier two and tier three attorneys, that's a something you got to take into consideration. What are you going to do when you get that big case? What are you going to do when you have a potentially monster file? Well, Okay, it also determines what kind of cases you take. If you have a firm that is only tier four and tier five attorneys, your criteria for what you accept may be different. You may be more picky and you're trying to have smaller case counts, but they're gonna be bigger cases and where you get your cases from. A firm that has tier two, tier three, you shouldn't be marketing to other law firms to get referrals because why would they send you a referral if all you guys tier two and tier three? So that strategy doesn't work for that group. You might wanna build a referred out practice. Tier four, tier five attorneys, maybe can get a referral network going. in. so there's, so there's some of those things that you take into consideration. Once you get past that, you know you're, you're just focusing on the the core operational stuff. If you're going to go make a bunch of noise to get people to your restaurant, the food and the service has to be good. And thinking into consider what are our standards when you know, and we start usually from the beginning of the case representation going. Um, Here's how we're going to line out intake. We have to be super meticulous about how we set that up so that we can get all the metrics we need to understand what's coming in from what channels. This is
1: still the biggest miss though. It is. Like, you know that this is like, we've talked about this a million times. times. It's like my biggest annoyance, you know?
0: And it's so vital. You know, um, what what was a common thing of firms that are really doing some good stuff is they have a partner.
1: I knew you were going to say this.
0: That's involved with intake. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. I, several times yeah. now, like a partner that is looking at every single call coming. You and
1: in. I know of a firm that does this. I,
0: I know several. I know. But I mean, i yeah, yes, Yeah. yeah. And there, there's several where like that's, and it, it, some people might say, well, that's overkill. Like we're going to spend a partner, but it's, the point of that is you can't underestimate how much attention it needs. And it's a big, big deal to get it right. And a lot of firms just, but you. Starting off, you've got to get fanatical about intake and talk about things that have gotten more complicated over the years. Uh, intake has gotten crazy complicated. You know, How do you tracking, you know, what, what software you're using to figure out where they came from. And then you're talking about attribution and then you're talking about, okay, are we going to route overflow to some, you know, overseas location? How do we get it back to here? And are they tied into our CRM and all It's gotten infinitely complex and Once you get past that, then I'll work with the firms and go, let's talk about just the first 90 days, right? When you get a new contract, what's, what is your standard? Not, I'm not asking what's possible. I'm not asking you even to say how we're going to do it. But if a friend or family member was a client, how would you want that experience to, to happen when they signed a contract? Would you want them to hear from your firm within the first, what 12 hours, 24 hours, what's your standard? And they got it come up with it. And then...
1: Wait, I have a question. uh, Have you ever tracked, like, if if a firm can get those first 90 days right, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: how that impacts referrals?
0: A hundred percent. I mean, I know that it must,
1: but have you ever tracked it and said, hey, let's fix this and then... I feel like it's something that'd be really hard to track.
0: Yes and no. It's... So, intentional communication with the client throughout the life of the case is the secret sauce. Did you fir- guys hear that? The
1: secret <laughs> sauce. After intake. Please don't yes. forget about intake.
0: Intake uh, and then client communication. It it covers a lot of, it, it does so much good stuff. Like it increases cl- client referrals. It reduces time on desk. It, um, uh, in- it increases your average closed fee. It, uh, you know, just there's so many good things. Reduces bar complaints, reduces complaints in general, increases Google reviews. Like, like get fanatical Google reviews and, and we talk about, you know, these it, It's crazy. We put on a conference and uh, we, we say it all the time client communications is the secret sauce and we had people raising their hands like you mean like the attorneys call on the clients like yes, absolutely attorneys legal assistants like stay in communication with your clients because when you don't talk to them, I mean that's the biggest mistake I've seen firms make is they have these systems and processes where the client may not hear from their attorney for six months or until suits filed or until a demand package goes out and so much gets missed. And so having intentionality about what client communication looks like in the first, you know, first 90 days, talk to them every 15 days, at least at a minimum. Um, after that, you can maybe go every 30 days. There's certain junctures in the case where you want to make sure they receive intentional communication, like, okay, you know, um, setting up with a doctor and you're talking about uh, getting the property damage resolved. And then is your team trained so that when the client says, thank you, that's a signal like, okay, to ask for a referral. Does that trigger that, that conversation? And have you trained your team in how to ask for referrals and what they say and what that looks like? And there's different junctures in the case where you add value. The client says, thank you. And it's a great time to have that conversation. Remind them like, yes, the highest compliment we can receive is a referral.
1: And then do you, Suggest a newsletter to clients, or yeah,
0: you know I think it, it, that's so. You had the old school hard copy newsletters that that I've seen firms. I've seen numbers where it works great for some firms. I've seen other locations where it, it's not moving the dial as much so as it used to. What do you
1: think is the like why? Because I've seen the same thing, and yeah,
0: I'm, there, there's a lot of variables because you you know you see, are you writing the content for the newsletter for you to feel good about what you put out, or are you writing it? for something that someone might wanna read, right? Or pick up. And
1: it's tough because who wants to read about PI? Like, I'm sorry, no one.
0: And and so, you know, you see things, well, let's make it about the recipient and be like, all right, um, how can we provide a service or provide information or provide help summer? Top ten mo- most dangerous things for kids during the summer break. That's I would, you know, like I literally right? read that. And You're like, okay, it's uh, ATVs, uh, trampoline parks, and pools, and you know what? And here's why: riding a bike outside. <laughs> yeah, all these things, and it's just okay. That's kind of interesting. I have kids, or I, I'm I'm curious. Or what's the most dangerous intersection in your city? Is because that's about me and that's about my safety. I
1: love that. Yeah, and
0: there's things like that, right?
1: Or if you have a, if you're doing any community involvement, any events like promoting that, yeah. all that stuff.
0: Correct. So to, to answer your question, I think, you know, you're seeing an, an email newsletters are just so cheap and they're so trackable and they're so, you know, your open rate and and who's clicking on what and what topics are they interested in? And it's so much easier to get that information. So I see firms gravitating away from the the hard newsletter more to a um, electronic version, but you still have, you know, i run across firms all the time that swear by that newsletter. I, I've been doing it since, you know. Uh, 2000 and i'm not going to stop because they love it
1: right <laughs> and wait so you mentioned a conference let's talk a little bit yeah. about that um when is it and what are you guys teaching
0: uh it's september 13th through 15th uh this year in a few Where? weeks in uh, las vegas at the cosmopolitan hotel wow. it's uh increase your profits and it's gonna be put on by mickey love and myself mickey love uh, has been in this uh, industry for um, a bunch of years. Uh, between the two of us, gosh, I, I imagine we have worked with, consulted with, done um, planning sessions for probably over 400 law firms in our space uh, over the years, every different size. And some of the things that we're going to be talking about, it's just going to be, it's Mickey and I, we're going to be sharing everything that We know she's the president of CJ advertising and uh, has worked with personal injury firms since forever and um, she knows her stuff. And so we're going to just really just take two and a half days and share what we've seen in our industry, things that have have been true for decades and are still true things that have been true for decades that are changing. Um,
1: Oh, I love that
0: things that are, you know, that we're seeing the tools that the, help you run a law firm, how they all tie into, you know, how does your close with fee ratio impact your labor ratio, for example, right? Well, it's straightforward. If, if you're working on a bunch of bad cases that don't produce fees, your labor ratio starts to go up. And there's so many things like that makes sense. Like,
1: see, now I kind of want to go yeah, and like yeah. sit through it.
0: Yeah. And there's so many things like that. Like how does this thing connected this thing and impact this thing? And while many, uh, people have heard bits and pieces of how we look at law firms. This is uh, an oppor- opportunity for us to just tie it all together and go. Here's from start to finish,
1: and it's actionable. Actionable. Very pure actionable, content. It sounds like
0: pure content. We're not hiding the ball, and um, yeah, we're going to spend you know two and a half days doing it.
1: But you had told me that it was like limited. Some people, it depends on the market. So. Let's, let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no. I don't um, want to get anyone too excited. they really can't
0: go. <laughs> no, it is by, um, it's, it's by application. You okay. send an application to be part of it and, and visit the conference. We had to do it that way. Um, just because of there, there was such high demand. We've unfortunately had to turn people away that where there was market conflicts with
1: yeah, some people, uh, are people mad that
0: here. were, yes, we've done that. So who knows if we go down this path again, but we're definitely doing it this year. And, uh, we had so to do an application process. Time you do it No, I imagine we'll, we'll, we'll do it again. Okay. But, um, we I'm just, I'm joking sort of because there was a lot of, we had to turn a lot of people away because of market conflicts, um, so some and so egos forth
1: were a little were bit, hurt. a little bit, but, uh, that's not how, our intent. We're, goes.
0: we're, we're an open book and, um, but that's, so apply, get it in, see if there's a spot available. We'd love it. It's going to be really, really good stuff. It's. It's great for anyone that is in any type of leadership position or going to be in a leadership position possibly in the future at a law firm because even if you're in intake, it'll say, Here's how intake impacts the rest of the firm. Even if you're in legal ops, how what you're doing is impacted by these other things. If you're in management, financial, whatever, you'll get something out of it and it will complement your knowledge about the rest of the firm and how it works. And so it's going to be good.
1: So it's from start to finish, like intake. Yep. And then
0: when we go into a firm yeah when we go into a firm how do we look at a firm and evaluate where they have holes or where what are the easy fixes and by easy fixes the the low-hanging fruit if there's any how do we go about that process boom we start here then once we get past here uh and we're working with the firm how do we determine where they should go next how do we do you know planning and long-term planning Then, based on that, what are the levers or things that we implement that will move the dial for the different things that we identified as weak spots? Okay, and talk about that might involve intake, it might involve case management, it might involve operational tools, uh, marketing, case acquisition tools. And we'll kind of go through all the different areas the five areas I mentioned Um, legal ops, ops, case acquisition, financials, and HR how each of those play a role specifically to personal injury firms and what you do to get each of those areas right so that you can build the firm that you want.
1: That's amazing. How many attendees?
0: Um, gosh, I don't know. We, I think we got room for, um, 200, 300, uh, attendees. Um, I know that it's been going up every day. You know how these conferences go is
1: last minute. minute. So we're seeing a,
0: we're seeing a last minute surge. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, it's, it's, we had to do an application so that, um, you know, just we want everyone in there to be comfortable in feeling like they're in a spot where they can uh, not only learn, but share and participate and um, just just enjoy.
1: And is it just you and Mickey that are speaking? The That's whole time? right. That's just right. Just You guys
0: just the two of us. I love that. And we did that because we just we wanted to have the time. We wanted to control the content and make it just super beneficial to whoever attends super applicable action oriented and give everyone the time to ask questions and we can go through these things at a relatively healthy pace and so it's where we'll be alternating we'll be doing joint presentations and just mickey and i
1: no i love it because that's also super different than every other conference right now where you see a lot of the i love all the speakers but it's a lot of the same speakers you know i mean you're one of them yeah like half of these things but this is where it's like okay We have a game plan and we're going to go from this to this and let's just get to it.
0: Correct. And and there's some really great conferences out there, but they might be a hodgepodge of like, you might have someone talk about marketing and then it's someone's totally different take on this and someone's totally different take on this. Um, Quick plug, one of the best conferences I think that's, that's out there right now. uh, Mark Lanier does a great job and Mark, it does a lot of the content. (laughs) He's out there and you're like, but he's doing some crazy, awesome stuff. And, and so, you know, it's, you get a, a dose of how they look at stuff we wanted to sort of re- replicate that in a way we've been out there doing stuff in the operational space in managing firm space for a long time. And we want to just like, here's, here's, you know, two days of how we look at all the stuff so that we can do a deep dive and, and get really in detail.
1: I kind of want to go now. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah. I know, I just feel if there's so many, but I, I actually want to go and actually sit in, yeah. which I don't ever do. Come at on. These next one. Next one. I'm going to think about it. <laughs> so if somebody wants to attend, where do they sign up?
0: We've got a link into the podcast. There's a link that we're um, giving you and they can go there and uh, apply to attend the conference. And in the how do you hear about us? Put law rank and they'll get a $1,500 discount off the executive level uh, ticket. And so and how come much on. is that?
1: How much is the executive?
0: Uh, I want to say the executive level ticket. I want to say it's 3500 bucks, and so $1,500 off that.
1: That's amazing. Yes. Okay, so for, for your, your listeners, we got to take large, care of your listeners. Yeah. One word. Um, okay, cool. I'll, we'll put that in the show notes mm-hmm. and thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for everything Chad shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show.